Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Good morning. It's so good to see each and every one of you and we're excited that you're here. I'm looking around. I see uh, we have a team rally after service, so I know a lot of you are our volunteers, and um, we're going to have a good time together. But we just believe that God wants to speak to us. Amen? Amen. Amen. So uh, uh, I went to uh, physical, my, my physical terrorist on Friday for the first time, and uh, uh, she took my arm and she bent me in ways that uh, that she should not. And uh, I had to live by the mantra I tried to teach y'all last week. In July, it's just family mostly. Uh, we're just having family talks. So if you're visiting with us for the first time, uh, we welcome you into the conversation. But be, please be aware that uh, in July, we tend to just talk to family. And last week, I started this series and trying to get us to get down in our, in our spirit that this uh, statement or this saying that we're going to try to live by, uh, no offense taken. And so uh, I had to live by that. I had to practice what I preached on Friday because every time she would grab my arm and move it, I wanted to punch her right in her face. And I had to go, no offense taken, you little communist. I want to, you, uh, her, her name was not Olga, but it should have been. And, um, but I appreciate the fact that it's got to be done. So, um, okay, so. Uh, most of you volunteer in some way, not all, and so I, I recognize the audience, the crowd that I'm dealing with in this service. This is going to be rough. Um, I'm just telling you, uh, as I prepared for this series that I felt like was for us as a church, specifically for us, um, as I prepared this, I knew that week two would be the hard week. So uh, just go like this, take your right hand and pick up your seatbelt, take your left hand and just buckle up, buttercup, because it's going to get tough right here, all right? Just lock in. Uh, it'll get better next week. If you don't like this week, come back next week. You'll like it better next week. I'm nicer next week. Uh, speaking of seatbelts, there was a, um, and one occurrence that's been documented uh, uh, in the life of Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali, as you know, was the uh, heavyweight champion of the world. He was a bad dude, and uh, he... Um, probably the greatest of all time, I would say, and he walked onto, his, onto an airplane, swaggered down the aisle to his assigned first-class seat, sat down, and got comfortable for the flight, and as the plane was about to take off, the stewardess walked past him and said, Mr. Ali, I need you to buckle your seatbelt, and he looked at her with his swaggy smile and said, ma'am, Superman don't need no seatbelt. I wished I was as quick as the stewardess because she immediately replied back, but Mr. Ali, Superman Superman don't need no plane either. Buckle up. We're about to take off. And so he complied. See, none of us are Superman and none of us are, are Wonder Woman. The truth is, is that we're all vulnerable and we're all at risk to getting our feelings hurt and to become angry. In fact, last week I made this statement and uh, I, I, I said, I messed up and said the old crowd in first service and they got offended at me, so I'm trying to keep you from getting offended. The older crowd, the more mature, the seasoned of us wanted to applaud as if we were talking only about teenagers, when the truth is, is I think this is true for our generation. Our generation could perhaps be the most offended generation to ever walk the planet. Everybody is angry and mad and upset 
about something somewhere all the time. Everybody's got their undies in a wad. I don't see some of you are offended because I said that in church, but it's truth. All you got to do is log into Facebook and you recognize everybody's angry. The only problem with that is that um, although there are appropriate times for anger, and we will talk about that, the truth is, is that uh, anger can become dangerous. There is anger danger that we're going to talk about this morning because although I, uh, there are times that I want you to get angry, there are other times that anger can become very dangerous in our life. So we're just going to talk like family today. You will remember last week that I said to you that the Greek word for offense is scandalon, where we get the word scandal. It refers specifically to that little lever right there. Drew, I need you to touch that little lever. Don't you dare. Uh, he would be beyond offended. He would be amputated. Wait, you'll see. Uh, that, that little lever is what that word is, uh, was referencing. It's the trigger. It's the trigger. The offense is the trigger to the trap. And so what we've got to understand is that when we become angry, when we become offended, we take the bait and the trap is sprung and it's the trap that does the damage, right? It's dangerous. So, so we reach over and somebody makes us angry. Some of y'all already mad because somebody rolled their eyes at you when you got here this morning. I know, I know nobody else saw it, but you saw it. No, somebody cut you off in the parking lot, and so now you're angry, and you fall for it, and boom, you're dead. It, you're trapped, and anger becomes this trap to us that we need to be careful of. I want us to go back into the New Testament. Last week I read to you out of 2 Timothy. Paul begins to talk to Timothy about the last days. And he begins to share with him what to look for. I want us to back up a little bit. Because I appreciate what Paul had to say. But there's one source greater than, than, than Paul that I know of. And his name is Jesus. In, in Matthew uh, chapter 24, uh, we're going to read what Jesus says about the last days. Now, I want you to understand. You've got it. Listen, if you don't get anything else, you've got to get this. Jesus is talking to believers. He is not talking to the heathens. He's not talking to those that claim connection with God that don't have any. He's not talking to the pagans. He very clearly, I will show you in just a second, he is very clearly speaking to disciples. So if he's talking to his disciples, then he's also talking to us. And I want you to see what he says about the last days. Matthew chapter 24, verse 3. And he said upon, as he said upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples, who? The disciples came unto him privately saying, tell us when these things shall be and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world. So Jesus is approached by his disciples and they ask him, how will we know when you're going to come back the second time? I want you to listen to what Jesus says. And Jesus answered them and said unto them, take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name saying, I am Christ and shall deceive many. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. So now he starts telling them how to tell when the end of time will come. He says this, For nations shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and pestilences. You don't know what that means? Look it up. Not good. And earthquakes. And hurricanes. And fill it in, fill in the blank, you figure out what's bad, he's listing it all there. And then he makes this statement. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Hold up. 
They're the beginning of sorrows. Then he goes on and he says, They shall deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you and shall be, you shall be hated of all the nations for my name's sake. And I'm going to stop right to there and tell you up to this point, that's a really bad list. Earthquakes, famines, pestilences, they're going to kill you. That's a bad list. And he says, that's just the beginning. Then listen to what he says. And then... Remember who he's talking about. And then shall many be offended and shall betray. Uh, let me back up. And then many believers will be offended. And many believers shall betray one another. And many believers shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and de shall deceive many believers. And be I'm adding the word believers to remind you who he's talking to. And, men and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many believers will wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. I want you to notice what Jesus does. He lists all this really bad stuff. Can I get any help? Aren't earthquakes bad news? I mean, we don't have very many, like what we saw on the news just last week, but, but yeah, we've had some, but not like that. It's bad stuff. Uh, famines, bad stuff. Wars and rumors of wars, bad stuff. That's a bad list. Surely it can't get any worse than that. I mean, that's the worst of the worst. Isn't it, Jesus? Surely it does. And he stops and he says, listen, I'm going to tell you that in the last days, all that stuff's going to start happening. Then check this out. And he says, and then it'll get worse. That's the beginning of sorrows. It will get worse. Then he lists for us the worst of the worst. What? Because th this doesn't make any sense. I, I, I didn't think it could get any, get any worse than like earthquakes and famines and wars. Surely Jesus can't get any worse than that. What are you going to say? Oh man, I don't want to hear about it. What it's going to be like. It's going to get worse. And then he says this. It gets worse because believers become offended and then they betray one another and then they hate one another and then they're deceived I told you you should buckle up this morning because what I want to show you this morning is that there is an anger to our danger there's a danger to our anger if we get mad at the wrong stuff we put ourselves in a dangerous situation I want you to notice the progression that Jesus lists for us remember 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 he's talking to believers and he says to us that in the last days, believers will become so offended that they will betray one another. Okay. So offense, here's the progression. Offense leads to betrayal. So when you offend me as a fellow believer, then the next step is this. It leads to betrayal. Before you offended me, I would protect you. Before you rolled your eyes at me like I was crazy, I would guard your back. Before you offended me, I would carry your burdens because Scripture says that we're supposed to carry one another's burdens. But now, but because you offended me and you treated me like you shouldn't have, whether you meant to or not, I'm so offended that now I no longer feel obligated to protect you. I feel no obligation to carry your burdens. I feel no obligation towards you any longer and I will betray you. I, will, I, I, I used to make sure that your business stayed your business. But now, since you offended me, I feel no obligation to keep your business off of Facebook. I will post it in a, in a skinny minute because I, I don't feel obligated to protect you anymore. Because you offended me. 
Now this is about believers, y'all. Ooh, y'all just as quiet as the first service. They didn't like it either. I, uh, uh, because see, here's what happens when we become offended. We will say things we would never have said before. We'll post, the, okay. Then Jesus goes one step further. He says, your offense will lead you to, be, uh, to, to betray one another. But check this out. He says, as soon as that happens, your betrayal will escalate into hate. Talking about believers. I will, if I become offended at you, I will feel betrayed by you, and then I will betray you, and then that will lead me to come to this place. I will hate you. Okay. I was offended, but now I can't even stand the sight of you. So what happens is this. Y'all don't act like y'all don't do this, because I know we all do. We walk into Walmart, and we see the fellow believer that offended us. The good news is they didn't see us. And so they'll be coming down the aisle and they're busy. We will cut to the right and we will duck down and we will grab the kids and put our hands over them. I don't say a word. Shh, they'll hear you. And we act like it's okay. We'll come right back to church, come into the same building and act like we can worship, but we hate one another. Some of you, surely not you. I'm not talking about you. Touch your neighbor and say, he's not talking about you. Just make sure, okay? Because I don't want to offend anybody. But some of you will sit out in your car long enough to make sure that the person that you have now escalated to hate clears the lobby and finds their place to sit so that you won't have to deal with them. And you will leave early so you don't have to deal with it. That is the progression that Jesus says would take place in our hearts is that we would begin to hate. Some of us have even got to this place where we can't say certain people's names without the snarl on the end of it. Have you, have you ever come to that place where you despise somebody so bad? Like you, some, you, you have a young couple in your life and they're about to have a baby and you say, please, whatever you do, don't name them. And then you fill in the blank because I know somebody named that and I can't stand. And you say it with that snarl. Every Steve is a jerk. Please stand Steve's, right? And it progresses to hate. An offense of the heart that is not dealt with ends up leading us to betrayal. Betrayal leads us to hate. Notice the progression. And then Jesus says, the ultimate progression is this. Once we start hating one another, we become deceived. And here's how this works. It leads us to deception. This is what happens. Because you as a fellow believer offended me. I feel betrayed. I develop hate. I'm now deceived to believe that if I cannot trust your word and you represent him, then if I can't trust your word, I can't trust his word. That is the progression. The progression is this. As you try to represent him, if all believers are like him, Jeff, I'm going to pick on you a minute because you're right here. Uh, if all believers act like Jeff, then I'm going to lump them all together and I'm going to become deceived to believe that every Christian acts just like this guy. And if all the people that are around me say they're Christians are going to act like him, I don't want nothing to do with them and I don't want any part of them. And we walk away. Okay. Here's the truth I want you to see. I'm going to do this quick, maybe. I believe that according to what Jesus says, not what Steve says, what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24 is this is the truth. Offense is the on-ramp to a path of destruction. 
It's hard to believe, but Jesus says, let, let's work backwards. Jesus says that as the days grow closer where the end is at hand, that more and more, we're talking about believers, will fall away and fall out of love with Jesus. That's what he says. But track it backwards. It's hard for us to conceive this or even admit this, but it's true. I know you know it's true because I know it's true. He says they're going to fall away, walk away, their love is going to diminish. Back it up and he says it all starts with offense. The origin, the beginning point of people literally walking away from Jesus, not loving Jesus, having nothing more to do with Jesus, starts, it, uh, it finds its origin in offense. Anger, danger. We need to wake up and understand that our anger is a dangerous thing. See, could it, I just want to ask you some questions or say some things to you this morning that may help us. I just think that according to Jesus, this is true. I, I think this is scriptural. I don't think I'm stretching it. I'm just, I'm just saying what Jesus said. But I won't say it like Steve would say it instead. See if, you, see if this doesn't ring true. If I fall out of love with God's people, then I will ultimately fall out of love with God. So, well, that's not true. Really? How can you love a God you can't see? If you, love, if you don't love people, you can see. We are connected. Could it be that we fall out of love with Christ because we fall out of love with one another? Could it be that our love for Jesus wanes because our love for one another wanes? According, according to Jesus, you cannot separate the two. My love for him in very real terms is determined by my love for you. Okay, so y'all didn't like it much either. So I told you I let you in on a secret last week. Julie and I have been having conversations over the last few months. It's what probably lent itself to this series. We talked about the fact that it seems like everybody's mad all the time. We don't know why. People that we love dearly, everybody's mad at somebody for something. Even we find ourselves being angry and go, why are we so mad? But then that conversation led to this statement too that I think is true. Because I think this is not only true for passion, I think this is true in Christendom as especially our version of Christendom in America. We said to one another not too long ago, it seems like Christians don't want to do anything together. We've become siloed. We, it's just like, I got two or three people I can trust, and I don't want to spend any time with nobody else. Call a meeting, call an, I'm not even talking about church, y'all, I'm just talking about life. We don't want to do life together, we don't want to rub shoulders outside the four walls. It's like we don't, we become totally privatized in our Christian experience, when Christianity was never intended to be a, a private endeavor. We're not connected. And maybe it's because we've started down this progression and we've fallen for the trap of our anger and it's led us to falling away. Falling away from each other leads to falling away from Jesus. Maybe our love for God is waxing cold because I don't love the people I'm on the path with. 
Maybe my worship is dry and lacks any real life because I am at odds with other believers because here is the absolute truth. It doesn't matter how spiritual you think you are. You cannot walk into an environment of praise and worship and hate everybody in the room and yet still be close enough to God to throw up your hands and say, oh, I experienced Him. Maybe that's why other people around you are encountering God, but you don't feel nothing. Could it be because you're offended and your anger's got the best of you? Maybe my lack of connection with God is a direct result of my lack of connection with God's people. John Bevere, in his, uh, and, I, and I would suggest you read this book. It's called The Bait of Satan. It's where the, I get the information about the trigger and all that. It's a great book. Um, but he makes a statement that I want to agree with, but I also want to take it one step further. He says this. He says, an offended heart is the breeding ground of deception. And I think he's absolutely correct, but I think we can take it one step further. I think I can add to that that a deceived heart is a destroyed heart. Because it is absolutely impossible, according to Scripture, to live this Christian life alone. You Listen, I, I'm old enough that one of my favorite shows growing up, because he had a cool gun and a cool horse. It wasn't that great, a, this show really, because you always knew how it was going to end. But I loved The Lone Ranger. And I've said this to you before. The Lone Ranger was a great show, but it is not a great map for Christianity. You cannot win the battles that you have to win if you're all by yourself. The truth is, is that he didn't even live it all by himself. He had this guy named Tonto who would come to his rescue over and over again, right? We need one another. So if you're offended, if you're not careful, you will become deceived. And if you become deceived, you will fall away. You will be destroyed. The second thing I want to tell you is this, is I am convinced, I, um, I haven't learned a lot. In well, yeah, I have. I've learned more than I want to learn in 13 years with, with all of us together. I knew this before now because of some of the roles I had. But I'm even more convinced of this truth right now. But I, 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 I just know that I need to share this with you to let you in on the secret. A change of scenery does not equal a change of heart. Because the second dilemma is this, is that we have convinced ourselves that if we become offended, that our... Cure is to leave. Go down a different track. Okay, just disconnect church altogether. Let's just talk about relationships in general. Then I'll come back to church. It seems to me that our generation, this generation that we live in, we have come to this place now that we are convinced that if somebody offends us, the easiest course of action, rather than dealing with the offense and bringing healing, it is much easier just to go a different path. I'll find a new group of friends. I'll find a new relationship. I'll find a new date. I'll find a new spouse. I'll find, I can find somebody else, baby. We convinced ourselves that a change of scenery equals a change of heart, and that is not necessarily true. That is also true about church, by the way. Let me just throw that in there. That if we are in a, offended in the body of Christ, we have convinced ourselves that the course of action that is necessary is for us to vacate. I'll find a new path. Have you discovered that you take the infection with you? <laughs> okay, a few of you are like, yeah. Have you figured it out that you take all that baggage with you from one relationship to the other? That you take that baggage with you from one group of friends to the other? 
There's this old parable about um, this western town. Uh, there's this old uh, cowboy dude that would stand out on the hill as, as uh, pioneers would come towards this new western settlement. And uh, he would stand out on this uh, hill just outside of town and the people would pull up in their covered wagons and they would always stop and ask him the same question. They would ask this question, tell us what the people are like in the town. And he would always respond the same way. He would always say this, tell me what the people were like in the town you just left. And one group of people would always answer like this. They would say, the town we came from was wicked. The people were gossips. They were rude. They took advantage of innocent people. It was filled with thieves and liars. And the wise man standing on the hill would say, well, the people in this new town are just like the people you just left. And they would thank him and say, thank you for saving us the trouble and the energy and the time of settling here. We will just go further west. And a new wagon would pull up and they would approach the wise man, the guy standing there and say, hey, can you tell us what the people are like in this town? And he would always ask the same question. What were the people like in the last town that you just left? And these group of people, this group of people responded like this. It was wonderful. We had great friends. Everyone looked out for others' interests. There was never any lack because we all cared for one another. If someone had a big project, the entire community partnered to help. It was a hard decision to leave, but we felt compelled to make way for future generations by going west as pioneers. And the wise man said to them exactly what he said to the first group. He said, the people in this town are exactly like the people you just left. And they thanked him and said, we will settle here. There's no need to go any further. What the wise man understood is that what's going on in your heart does not change just because you change environments or destinations that what is going on in your heart has to be dealt with because that is a heart issue and and the truth is is that if you are mad or angry at somebody at another church somewhere and you just ended up a passion because you were tired of dealing with them or if you were in another relationship and you just rolled in here because you're in a relationship and you found a relationship here's the truth you bring the infection with you And there's not a doctor on the planet that if you go see and say, hey, I've got an infection, I've never found one yet that will look at you and say, let me tell you what you need to do. Go down here to U-Haul and rent their biggest truck and go home and gather, box all your stuff up, stick it in your truck and go just move to another city. That'll take care of your infection. But what he will do is he, say, he will say, I have a cure. I've got antibiotics I'm going to give you and it's going to cure you of your infection. And what I'm saying to you this morning is this, is if you've got anger in your heart, you don't need to move. You need to get healed. And we're going to talk next week about what we need to do to stay healed when people want to offend us. Some of them try to offend us intentionally. I'm trying to offend some of y'all right now. I'm purposely trying to make some of you mad right now so you'll grow up a little bit and get tougher and recognize that we got to mature out of this thing of being childish and we got to handle each other because we need one another. But the only way we do that is we get well. Solomon understood the danger of anger. He, he, I want you to listen to what he says about this very carefully. In Proverbs chapter 18, verse 19, I want you to listen to what he says. It's, he says, it is harder to win back the friendship of an offended brother than to capture a fortified city. Then he says, his anger shuts you out 
like iron bars. I want to read that one more time. Proverbs 18, 19. Listen. It is harder to win back the friendship of an offended brother than to capture a fortified city. His anger shuts you out like iron bars. There is a danger when we get angry. And I'm just concerned that too many of us are living in walled, fortified cities and we won't let anybody get close. I'm afraid that some of us have shut people out. I watch some of you shut yourself in by isolation. I see some of you silo. I see some of you that won't rub shoulders. You get here, leave, get here, leave. I watch you go through life. Nobody carrying your burdens. Nobody watching your back. And then when you're destroyed, you go, why? I thought you guys had me. We couldn't. You boxed us out. You walled us out. Because you were offended. And some of you think you're too big for anger. That Jesus wasn't even talking to you. He was just talking to those 12. He wasn't talking to me. I'm Superman. I can handle the anger. I can hate everybody in the whole room. And still get my praise on. Really? How is it possible? I'm almost done. Listen to me. How is it possible to love the head but hate the body. There is a generation of believers coming up. I'm telling you, I'm not, I'm not making this up. I'm just telling you the, the, this. I think it's a sign of the last day. We saw it exhibited on Facebook this week. There is a, a generation of believer, believers that are rising up that hate the body. They'll claim love for Jesus, but they absolutely hate the body. They've been hurt. They've been done wrong. Somebody criticized them. Somebody offended. So now they just go on Facebook and they just, they just attack. Attack every church. Every preacher is a false preacher. Every church is a, is a group of deceived people. Nobody knows God like I know. Nobody can discern whether a song's about God or except for me. And I'm the standard. I got news for you. That don't work. We need each other. We need each other. And I just want to challenge you this morning. I just want to ask you this question. Who are you mad at? Why, why are you so mad? There's danger in your anger. It will lead you to betrayal. It will lead you to hate. It will lead you to falling away. I think here at Passion, I'm, I, I just, I, can I brag on you just for one second? I think we got the greatest group of people. I don't see this happen very often. I think we love one another a lot. But we're talking about developing an offense defense. And so I want to challenge you this morning. Don't let any little offense set up. Because can I tell you, the enemy will try. In fact, he's probably already tried. Like in the parking lot, they, they waved at somebody and they didn't wave at you. That teacher got really excited when their kid showed up, but when my kid showed up, they barely gave him the time of day. They let them sing a solo, but they didn't let me sing a solo. And an offense sets up. And it progresses. And Jesus says that it leads us not to just walking away from the body. Listen, 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 listen. But from the head. And I just want to challenge us as family that we learn to deal with offense correctly. That we get angry at the right things. We'll talk about that next week. 
or in the last week of this series, but together we mature to the place that we will not allow a fence to set up and take us down the progression of destruction that comes. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that what you would do in this moment is something that I don't have the ability to do. So I just pray that you would do it. I pray that in this moment right now, you would remind us who we're mad at. It may not be somebody at this church, in this group. It may be somebody totally disconnected. But somebody somewhere has made us angry and we continue to carry that baggage into our future. That infection is making us sick in every other relationship. I pray that you would expose to us right now. It would be like a, a, a videotape almost plays in our mind. We see the face of the individuals that we're mad at. And I, I pray that in this moment, we learn to come to this place where we say no offense taken. I cannot be offended because I will not allow myself to be offended. And Father, if we're angry... And it's leading us down this path, this progressive path where we, get, we feel betrayed and we feel, we feel hate. And I, I just pray that right now you would arrest us in our walk with you and you would teach us that we cannot do this alone. We cannot make it on our own. And so we would protect our mind and our heart and our spirit from being offended by our brothers and our sisters in the Lord. Because we recognize that if we don't love them, we cannot love you. And we recognize that our first step away from God is a step away from the body of Christ. Because we're connected by what you've done for us. And so Jesus, I pray that you would help us to deal with the infection of anger in our life. And help us to recognize that we set the atmosphere, we set the tone. And we can walk in freedom and in health. And Father, I pray for anybody under the sound of my voice in this room right now that's hurt. Father, if it's one of the leaders of this church that has hurt them, or maybe it's a fellow uh, attender, or maybe a, a, a volunteer, somebody's hurt them, then Father, I pray in Jesus' name right now that every shred of anger and resentment and offense would be healed in the name of Jesus right now. We would lay it at your feet so that when we see that individual, when we, when we encounter that individual, that we don't see them, we see you. And Father, our cry, my heart's cry, is that we will worship you at a deeper level, a higher level, that you will take us into an experience and an encounter with you like none of us have ever seen. We will see you manif your manifest presence in our every gathering. But God, I recognize that is impossible if we are not in right relationship with one another as well. And so Father, we ask for that to happen, but I pray that you'd help us to do the hard work relationally, horizontally, so that the vertical path of relationship with you is clear and clean and open and fresh. I ask you to do this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, would you do this? Would you touch your neighbor right now so you can't offend me? I, I, I will not let you offend me in Jesus' name. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. 
Remember, you can't live without passion. <laughs>